Hello and welcome to Words of Wisdom, a podcast dedicated to reflecting on the wisdom of the Book of Proverbs. Your host is Dr. Jerry Weirwall, who will share life-giving truth from Proverbs that will help us become wise and discerning. Wisdom is a journey, and we hope you will join us for this exciting adventure. Proverbs 20 verse 14 says, Bad, bad, says the buyer, but when he goes his way, he boasts. As we read this proverb, notice that there is a contrast being set up between something that the buyer says and then subsequently something that the buyer does. But this contrast doesn't mean that the proverb has antithetic parallelism. One reason why we can say that the parallelism is not antithetic is that the second half of the proverb is not saying something contrary or opposite to the first half. Rather, the second half is completing the thought or meaning of the proverb. It is the combination of the two lines that then presents us with the whole picture of what the proverb is trying to say. And thus, we can conclude that the proverb is using synthetic parallelism. Now, the main difficulty with this proverb is that we have little to no context in order to understand its meaning. But there are some clues in the proverb that can help us build an understanding. First, we can assume, based upon the language used, that the proverb is drawing upon commercial imagery. This is based upon the fact that there is a buyer mentioned, which is a term used in commerce for the one making a purchase and acquiring goods for themselves or others. What we have to ask ourselves whenever interpreting a proverb is, in what circumstance or scenario would this proverb prove to be true? Now, this is important because one assumption that we should always bring to the text when we read the book of Proverbs is that Proverbs are truthful sayings, meaning what they say must accurately reflect reality in some way. Our challenge as readers is to seek to understand in what way is the proverb conveying the truth of that reality. In our current proverb, our task is to discover the circumstance or scenario that would justify the buyer saying bad, bad, and then boasting after he leaves. To do this, we need to know some background information. But the problem is we're fresh out. The proverb doesn't give us any. Therefore, we have to infer some of the implicit information that would likely form a realistic context for the proverb. First, if the proverb identifies a buyer, it is fair to assume that there is also probably a seller in the circumstance it is describing. We noted that there are two actions that describe the buyer in the proverb. One, the buyer says, bad, bad. And two, the buyer leaves, that is, he goes his way, and then he boasts. Also, it seems logical to assume that the buyer is probably speaking to the implied seller, rather than to himself or some other unidentified person. Next, the question we need to answer is, what is it that the buyer is saying is bad? Well, once again, the proverb doesn't explicitly tell us, but we can presume that it is likely the object or product that the buyer is interested in purchasing. And finally, one last question. Why would the buyer boast after he leaves? What would make the buyer be in a proud or satisfied state of mind to the extent that he would speak highly of himself to others? Well, potentially one scenario that could produce this result is if the buyer purchased something for a really good price and wanted to brag about it to others so that they would envy him and his business savvy. So if we put all this together, 
we can reconstruct a plausible scenario in which the proverb would apply and be both relevant and true. The scenario could go something like this. A buyer carefully examines an item that is for sale. He then asks the seller, how much does this cost? The seller replies with their price. And then, to the seller's surprise, the buyer's face turns sour and disapproving. The buyer then proceeds to object and explain that such a price is way too high and is quite out of sorts for this item. They might say something like, there's no way that anyone would pay that price. But the seller responds by saying that he believes it is a fair market value for the item for such and such a reason. But the buyer proceeds to downplay the value of the item by maybe mentioning potential defects or excessive risks and unknowns involved in the purchase, or even his doubt about the item's authenticity. The buyer proceeds to submit reason after reason for why the item is not worth as much as the seller thinks. And at the end of his rant, the buyer offers a significantly lower amount for the item. Well, supposedly feeling pressured and maybe outmatched by the buyer's barrage of criticisms, the seller reluctantly agrees to the buyer's offer. Pulling the money out of his pocket, the buyer gladly pays the seller, picks up the item, and then leaves and goes his way. But as he is departing, he bumps into a friend and proceeds to brag about how he just got such and such and he got it for a total steal. Pun intended. His friend can't believe it and is very impressed. In the end, the seller continues on his way, whistling with a grin on his face and a bounce in his step, because he prevailed upon the seller to accept his lowball offer and believes he won the day with the deal. Now, which part of this scenario actually applies to the proverb? Well, that would be the way that the buyer mangled the value of the item through a premeditated strategy. It is dishonest to intentionally misrepresent or complain about the cost of a commodity for the sake of trying to scalp the price and simply argue for a lesser payment. The buyer's criticisms were targeted at discrediting the seller's item and making it seem less valuable by conveying a disapproving posture toward it, but all the while really knowing its true value. This is blatant hypocrisy and disingenuous. It is very underhanded and dishonest to purposely denigrate the value of an item when negotiating merely for the sake of one's own advantage and personal gain with full knowledge that you are seeking to manipulate and exploit the seller. What is even worse is when the buyer gets their way and buys an item for significantly less than they know it is worth and then goes about boasting after making the purchase. It is sheer egotism for the buyer to brag to others about their deceitful ways in swindling the seller into an unfair agreement. In contrast to this mischievous and underhanded behavior, God desires fairness and equity in commerce that honors both the buyer and the seller, not either party taking advantage at the expense of the other. Such exploitation is an abomination to God. This fairness and equity in commerce is also portrayed in other Proverbs as well, like in Proverbs 20 verse 10, which says, Unequal weights and unequal measures of grain, indeed, both of them alike, are an abomination to Yahweh. To not be consistent and exchange equal value is to be deceitful and exploit others for your own benefit, and Yahweh God is disgusted with such behaviors. 
The key to understanding Proverbs 20 verse 14 is to not view bartering as evil or something like that, but rather it is to recognize that some people will try and deceive you with dishonesty and false information in order to profit off you by means of it. This is a type of fraud. When someone intentionally tries to manipulate the situation through misrepresentation and play-acting for the purpose of profiting off the ignorance or susceptibility of another, it is evil and wicked. The righteous do not seek their own advantage, but the wicked seek to make themselves prosper at the expense of preying upon others. Now, I want to be very careful here that I'm not giving the wrong impression about this proverb. Bartering and negotiating the price of an item is perfectly acceptable and is even something that I would encourage people to do when buying and selling secondhand goods. There is nothing wrong with discussing the value of an item as a buyer or seller and making an offer or a counter offer. I would say give it a shot even at the retail level as well, but I don't think you'll get very far, at least not here in the United States. This proverb, it reminds me of something my dad used to always tell me when buying things. Well, my dad used to say lots of things, but one of them, which I will never forget because he said it over and over again, was, Son, the important thing to remember is not how much the seller thinks the item is worth, but how much you are willing to pay for it. I remember going to countless garage sales and flea markets and antique conventions with my parents when I was younger. And when I found something that I, I liked, my dad would always ask me, now, how much are they asking for it? And then after I told him, he would then ask me, and how much is it worth to you? Sometimes I would just say the price that the seller was asking because I wanted the item and I didn't know any better at the time whether it was a good price or not. But as I got older and began to realize how much things actually cost and what I found valuable and worth the money and what was not, I began to give different answers. By the time I was a mid-teenager, when I went to buy something, my dad would ask me, what's the maximum price you're willing to pay for it? And after I would answer, he would then say, okay, then give me the rest of your money and, how, and I will hold on to it for you until you get back. I realize now what he was doing. He was training me to not be swept up in the moment when bartering with the seller and end up paying more than I originally decided I wanted to. Now, there were times when upon closer inspection of an item, I realized it was better than I thought it was. And I went back to my dad and asked him for some more of my money because I believed the item was worth it. But before giving me some more money, my dad would usually ask me, so what do you now know about the item that you didn't previously that caused you to change your mind? This was such an astute question to ask because it helped me to realize when I actually did have a valid reason for wanting to pay more versus when I just couldn't let go of the idea of not buying the item. I think when we can't discern the line between our mere desire for something versus the actual value of it, we can get caught up in shopping for things and end up overpaying and later regretting the decision when we have had more time to think about it. Well, in order to illustrate this proverb, I want to tell you about an experience I had a few years ago when selling my motorcycle. I listed my motorcycle on an online classifieds bulletin, i.e. Facebook Marketplace. 
and I quickly received a number of responses from interested parties. So I contacted the first person who messaged me, and I arranged for them to come and look at the motorcycle in the evening the following day. In order to prepare for the potential buyer, I got the motorcycle out, cleaned it up a bit, and started it up several times. When the buyer arrived, I shared the history of the motorcycle during the time that I owned it. I pointed out a couple of places where there had been damage from the previous owner. I revealed any pending issues that might need attention in the future. And I also listed off the maintenance and repairs that I had done to not only keep the motorcycle in good working condition, but also things I did to improve its performance and enjoyment while riding. I felt like I'd given a very thorough and honest presentation of the motorcycle's condition and imparted the relevant knowledge that the buyer should be aware of. I then let the buyer start the motorcycle and go for a test drive. The bike started right up and the buyer took off and did a couple circles around the parking lot and came back. Upon returning to where I was and after shutting the bike off, I asked him, So, what do you think? Do you like it? He took a moment and then slowly muttered, So... How much are you asking for it? I replied, $800. This was not new information as it was clearly posted on the ad that he responded to online. What happened next, I half anticipated, but it still came as a little bit of a shock to me because of the degree to which it occurred. The guy began to go on a rant about all the things he noticed or thought was wrong with the bike and the money and work that he would have to put into it. It seemed like every little thing he could squabble about, he did. I remember specifically one of the issues because he made such a big deal about it. There was some oil residue visible on the top of the engine block that was probably due to a gasket that had leaked a small bit of oil at some time. Nothing serious or probably not even a current issue. I told him that the oil residue had been there as long as I had owned the motorcycle and that it was not an active leak and that the bike didn't burn oil or smell like it when running. Plus, I told him a small leak in an engine seal is not unexpected to see with a motorcycle that was 16 years old and I had taken that into account when I determined the price. But this did not deter the man from promptly responding with a lengthy description about all the time and the effort it's going to take to remove the engine, to replace the seal, and how much it was going to cost him. And after grumbling for a while with a look of disapproval on his face, he turned to me and said, The bike really needs some major work. I'll give you $600 for it. Now, I did my homework before listing the motorcycle to see what the resale book value was for the bike in fair condition. I also looked at other online motorcycle sales that were selling similar models to the one I had in order, in order to double check the book value. The bike was essentially worth $1,000 to $1,200 given its age and condition. But given that one of the turn signals was heavily damaged, along with some other general wear, I discounted the price to $800, which I thought was fair. After the gentleman offered me $600, I replied that $800 was a good value for the motorcycle in its current condition, and that I thought it was a reasonable asking price. But the guy wasn't satisfied, and then tried to make me a deal by proposing that we split it down the middle at $700. I looked him square in the eyes, and I told him that I had other interested buyers and therefore could probably sell the motorcycle tomorrow evening for $800 easy. Perhaps it was a last ditch effort, but the guy then said, all right, I'll give you $750, that's all I got. I didn't immediately say anything, but just stood there thinking for a moment. 
Right as I was about to tell him, thanks for stopping by, he pulled out the money and said, I'm here right now with cash in hand. That was a pretty tempting offer because I did not want to have to put the motorcycle away, schedule another person to come and look at it, get it back out, go through the whole explanation again, and so on and so forth. So I agreed to the man's offer and he handed me the cash. We quickly loaded the bike into the bed of his truck. I signed the title over to him and away he went. It seems he was very pleased with the deal even after paying $750. And I was happy to have sold the motorcycle. So it looks like it was a win-win for us both in the end. I think what this experience taught me the most was how important it is to know what you are selling. What I mean is... It is important to understand the value of the item or service and what you believe is a fair price so that you are not deceived or get dragged into going along with someone else's idea, no matter how convincing they might sound. Nevertheless, if you think the person might have a point about something you are unaware of or less knowledgeable about, you might want to get a second opinion or do some fact-checking for yourself. Don't just go along with what they are saying just because they seem sincere or adamant about it. There is rarely ever only one buyer or customer out there in the world. And so if you don't come to an agreement, then be patient. Another will likely come along soon enough. It is better to pass up a potential sale than to have someone pull the wool over your eyes by saying, bad, bad. And then after you agree to their terms, they then go on their way with a grin on their face because you just got played. The bottom line is to be cautious with what people tell you in a business transaction. People are mostly interested in themselves and what they can get out of it. Now, everyone likes a bargain when purchasing something, and there's nothing wrong with striking a good deal. But it is foolish to let someone convince you against your better judgment that what you are selling or the service you are providing is not as valuable as what you have assessed it to be. Be careful when people start downplaying things because they might just be rummaging up a scheme to try to get you. This is the wisdom of the proverb. Thanks so much for listening to this episode of the Words of Wisdom podcast. If you enjoyed this episode, we would be so appreciative if you would share this podcast with your friends. And if you have been blessed by this work, please consider supporting the podcast by clicking on the donation link in the description.